Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we play Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger. Today we are chatting with Brian Clayton of GreenPal. What an awesome interview. So I learned a ton from him. I took a ton of notes. So I don't know if any of you are going to enjoy this, but I certainly did because uh, he's the CEO of a very large company. They have 200,000 active subscribers. They call themselves the Uber of lawn care. And so essentially, if you are a homeowner and need your lawn mode, you can go onto this app called GreenPal and get bids from local uh, vendors and they'll come to your home, mow your lawn. And if you are on the other side, you need to start a business or you already have a lawn mowing business and want to get hooked up with them. They have an awesome program. It doesn't cost anything to get started. And you can start, uh, you don't have to go around knocking on doors. You literally open up your app, just like you would if you were an Uber driver, look for jobs, you bid it. Um, and uh, if you get uh, hired, you go over there, mow the lawn, make, make uh, 30, 40 bucks uh, pretty quick. He said that their average uh, lawn is worth $35 to $40. And he has people making thousands of dollars uh, doing this. And so what an awesome opportunity. I know some of you that might be just getting started in your e-commerce business or whatever other business you are into, uh, this could be a, a serious side hustle for you. Uh, if you got a few extra hours a week and enjoy mowing lawns, uh, get hooked up with his app. Uh, just go to greenpal.com. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes as well. So uh, this episode is chock full of valuable information. I learned a ton from Brian uh, on how he grew his business. He sold one landscaping business already, retired at the age of 32, got bored, figured that he needed to stay in the game because he loved being a part of something. And what I love about this too, is he's creating success stories. That's why I do this. I love the opportunity for e-commerce because I see it as one of the lowest hanging fruit opportunities for somebody to earn some extra money or even be able to quit your job and leave a legacy. And so even with this business model as well, lawn care, somebody with very little education, somebody with no money, if, if you're in a boat where you need some extra cash and you know how to mow a lawn, you can make money using this app. And so I love that he's also creating success stories of people who are able to provide for their families, quit their jobs and build a serious business. So I'm all about that. That's why I had him on. But I learned a ton of, from him about how yeah, he grew his business, things like focusing on one channel with the uh, marketing uh, going. He talked about uh, working in your business, on your business, and on yourself, uh, learning new things, going to conferences, having a mentor. So this is a super valuable interview. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here it is. Brian, welcome to Streams of Income Radio. Ryan, thanks for having me on, man. It's great to be here. It's such an honor. I Now, I got to tell you, normally when folks um, message me that they want to be on my podcast, it's very rare that I actually do it. It's probably only one other time. But um, I just saw your story and it was different. And it's, I knew you t- could definitely bring value to my audience. And uh, so I'm honored to have you. You've done a lot in business. I want to hear how you got started and built Green Pal and your other business. So to j- to jump Perfect, back, go yeah. back, tell me, how, tell me what's your background? I guess my goal with these interviews is to let people know that if I can do it, anybody can do it. And uh, <laughs> so my story is kind of a, a humble one. I started mowing yards. Uh, yeah. as a way to make extra cash in high school and, okay. uh, stuck with that lawn mowing business, uh, all through high school, all through college. And over a 15 year period of time, ended up building one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, where I live, wow. uh, got it over 150 employees, over $10 million a year in revenue. And then in 2013, I sold that company to, to one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And okay. so building that business just for me and a push mower to me and 150 people, I learned a lot about business and yeah. did everything wrong uh, before <laughs> I did it right. And, and uh, so sold the company and then I retired. I retired at the age of 32. Oh my and goodness. I got, yeah. And I didn't have to work anymore, which was nice, but I bored, learned, though? learned something about myself. I learned that I <laughs> wired to want to be in the game. I'm wired yeah. to want to be uh, a part of something that's growing and prospering. And, uh, and so I thought, well, let's, Let's do another one. And, uh, and I, I thought, well, that was really hard. 15 years landscaping uh, company. It was very blue collar, very hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Didn't want to do that again. 
Uh, but I thought, well, I'm going to start a, uh, an easy business now. I'm going to start a software company. And boy, <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know. And yeah. it was kind of naivete uh, as an yeah. asset. But uh, I had the idea for the Uber for lawn mowing. And yeah. I, I thought, you know, an app needs to exist where you push a button and somebody comes and mows your yard. And so yes. I thought, let's do this. And recruited two co-founders and we started working on a company. Uh, it's called GreenPal. And GreenPal is the Uber for lawn mowing. And so wow. if you need to have your grass cut rather than calling around on Craigslist, you just, you know, jump on our app, you'll get somebody to come mow your yard in a few minutes. And uh, GreenPal is a nine-year overnight success. Uh, my two co-founders and I have been at this thing for almost a decade. You know, now we're several hundred thousand people using the app, doing uh, over twenty million dollars a year in revenue, and we're nationwide in the United States. So that's oh. twenty years of entrepreneurship in one industry. Started oh off blue collar, now now tech entrepreneur. Jeez, how did so? You're take me back to when you were how the steps that it took to grow when you're starting doing a push because I have a lot of folks that are, um, I mean they're probably not doing lawn care, but there I do have uh, people Brian that are looking for ways to make extra money, and mm-hmm. and they they could you know, start mowing lawns and that's something that you know about anybody can do, um, right? So, but they may not want to do it forever, and so I want to go back to how you how you grew it. Um, so like you were obviously you were, you were a teenager and you were mowing lawns yourself. What was that first, that next jump from you doing all the work? Yeah. So, so to your point, the lawn mowing business is the best side hustle that I know of. Uh, for, for instance, vendors on our platform, green pal make like 55, hundred dollars an hour. I mean, they crush it and, and, uh, it's the, it's the best way to put an extra thousand dollars a week in your pocket. And, and so to your point, you know, if you're looking to get into a business that, uh, has relatively low barriers to entry, that has good margins that, Mm -hmm. uh, you can work your butt off and make some extra cash. Lawn mowing business is a great, great one one to do. And also the other thing about the lawn mowing business is that there's fundamentals and principles to running a landscaping company that are true in all of business. So things just around bookkeeping, organization, customer service, uh, sales, marketing, uh, operations, all these things you can kind of cut your teeth on in the lawn mowing business and then apply them to some other company later on. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, I really do encourage people that if you ever thought about starting a company, uh, starting a landscaping company is a great one to consider. Uh, yeah. That said, you know it's not one that you have to grow to 150 people like I did. In fact, I don't recommend sure. you do. Uh, there, there, over a 15 year period of time, you know, there were many years where I lost money, and there were many years where my employees made more money than me. And until I really started figuring out systems and scaling and and, and processes, and and really started dialing that stuff in did I start to build a company that was super profitable and one that could be sold? Mm. So it was really much like eating glass for about a decade. And I don't recommend it. Uh, what I do recommend is, is uh, you know, the lawn, lawn mowing business is one to get into and, and one to do part-time or, or, or as a solopreneur mm-hmm. for a long time. And then take that profit and reinvest it in other uh, sources of durable income, like real mm-hmm. estate and, 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 uh, oh, and equities yes. and things like that. And so, in fact, I know many, Many uh, guys and gals that, that mow yards that, that are on their way to becoming millionaires through investing in real estate yes. and taking the profits from their profitable lawn mowing business and investing wow. in real estate. So, so for me, it was it was very difficult, uh, you know, growing you know from one to five to ten to twenty to fifty to hundred people, and it was just one that I just wasn't willing to give up. Uh, you know, I was just w- really had a desire to figure it out and learn from my mistakes and also learn from others that had bigger companies and, and try to figure out what they were doing and, and I could do it a little bit better. And, uh, and so it was, it was hard, yeah. um, but it was worth it because that put me on first base to then be able to start green pal and swing for the fences with green pal. Yeah. When you, um, what was that first hire? Was it just somebody else to mow the lawns? Like you've got too many jobs and I can't handle these all 20. So let's find somebody else to do it. So now we're only doing 10 a piece or what did yeah, that look it's, like? It's, it's pretty clear uh, when you're, when you're running a service-based business like that, that you're le- you know, there comes a point where you're leaving money on the table, you know, you're doing good uh, services for your clients and then you're getting word of mouth and, or maybe you're, you figured out a, a marketing channel. Like these days, maybe you're really good at Facebook or Instagram marketing. And now more work is coming in than you can possibly do. So now you need somebody to help you with the physical execution of the work. And uh, that's a tough moment in a, in a business journey because effectively you're doubling your business in one swoop. Uh, In fact, it might be the only moment where just 
through one decision, you double your, your company because you go from one to two people. Yes. And, and for me, you know, like there were many weeks, months, uh, that, that my first employee made more money than I did. And I had mm-hmm. to figure out where am I going wrong? Then once I figured that out, then, uh, you know, I thought, wow, this is great. Now I need to hire more people. And then I hired too many people. And I figured out that the, the way to solve problems at a service-based business is to not throw bodies at the problem. You know, you, just because you, you're not getting all the work done doesn't mean you can go hire five new people because you'll end up losing money because the, the margins are usually pretty tight. Yeah. And so it was just one of those trial and error things um, that, that I figured out as I went, you know, and this was all, you know, in the early 2000s. These days, there, there's so much more resources to, 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 to be able to learn these things, yeah. um, even if it, even industry specific stuff. And, and, you know, so you don't have to like go it alone anymore, like, like I kind of had to. Totally. Wow. So walk me, if you were, um, let's say I wanted to start a lawn mowing business um, and my goal would, be, I can, can anybody hook up with GreenPal? I'm, I'm sure you have to be a vetted supplier and nobody can, not anybody can raise their hand and say, I want to mow lawns in Texas. And now I'm on GreenPal. I'm sure there's some vetting process that your contractors yeah, you have do, to go you through. You do right? have to go through a, through a process. It's not that difficult. Um, okay. you, you have to prove that you have the right equipment that you have the right uh, insurances, that you uh, have some re- referrals, and you can get set up in a day. It's not that hard. And oh, so no. that's kind of our goal with GreenPal is to, is to almost be a business in a box for, for yes. anybody that wants to get into the lawn mowing business. We yeah. really do reduce the barriers to entry, help folks get their first 10, 15, 20, 100 customers, wow. help them with marketing automation. They get paid the same day for all the work they do, uh, help them with things like CRM and customer management and, and bookkeeping really end to end like a platform that they just jump onto and they can run their whole business. Jeez. It's kind of built in, in, in my experience in the industry. Yeah. So do you do, and if I wanted to do this, um, would I, ha- is there a fee to become a part of this, like to go through the training or anything like that? Um, no, no. Wow. There's no sign up fee. It's free to sign up That's incredible. and also free, free to bid, free to use the only uh, way we make money. And, and the way we are able to build and market the platform is we charge a small transactional fee for all the work you do on the platform. Sure. And that varies based on uh, from five to ten percent, based on uh, how much volume you do through the, through the platform, and that's how we pay our developers, pay our marketers, and yeah. grow the platform and get more customers for the vendors that use it. Yeah. And so, if we really it is it is a win win. Uh, we really try to align the interests of the of the app of the platform to small business owners growing their business, making material income on our technology. Yeah. It's really why I get out of bed in the morning. It's really why That's I do. Awesome. I do. You are changing people's lives, Brian, because I, I do with um, my Amazon business. I, the teaching that, that I do, I I'm addicted to the success stories. Somebody that says I was able to quit right. my job because of this Amazon business. I bet you're the same. Like somebody's like, I can't believe Brian. I, I hooked up to green pal. I didn't have a business before. Now I got a business. I'm making a thousand bucks a week and my family's life has changed forever. Like, oh my gosh. All day long. I mean, that's really why we, you know, we, we have a saying, we give a high five to homeowners, but we really try to give vendors a hug. We really are in the business of, of materially improving their livelihood. Yes. It's why I do what I do. It's, it's why the team does what it does. And it's, right. it's what's kept us going through a lot of the hard parts of the, of the journey, particularly the yeah. first four or five years were really hard. But yeah. when you see somebody that, like we have a Facebook group with three or 4,000 of these service providers in it. And mm-hmm. they, they'll post like, Hey, I just bought a new truck. Thanks. Thanks to green Pal, Or I just wow. put a down payment on my first house. Thanks to green Pal, Or, uh, you know, I, you know, put a kid through college, you name it, like celebrating these like life victories mm-hmm. and knowing that, that these people are working really hard, but that we kind of help them get connected with the customers, help give them the right. opportunity to succeed in life. It's a lot of fun. It, it helps take care of a lot of the annoying problems that you face trying to build one of these companies. Yeah. So the model is, um, let me just make sure I understand this correctly. So I'm the same, the customer, I go on the app and I, I click a button and I'm going to get some bids from people in my area. And I choose one. They come on my lawn. I pay green pal through the app, I guess. And then that contractor then gets paid from you guys after you take a small cut. That's right. That's how it works. Uh, except for you just, you pay your contractor right through green pal. So okay. we're not your contractor. We're, uh, okay. we're it's, it's kind of like when you're on a, on Yelp booking a reservation uh-huh. or, uh-huh. or, uh, if, if you, if you are like on, on, uh, Instacart, uh, you know, getting your groceries delivered. And so for us, we take a small transactional fee, uh, yeah. on the vendor side, yeah. but like on the credit card, it, you know, it's the name of your vendor. And so we, it's oh, our wow. job to, to help introduce you to a good fit 
yeah. help you quickly get pricing and help you quickly yeah. hire and, and then book them for the whole season. But we don't yeah. want to uh, circumvent that that relationship between the service provider and and the and the homeowner mm. because because that you know that doesn't scale. You don't want to call a one eight hundred number when you have a problem. You want yeah. to talk to your service provider. And so th- yeah. we're in the business of quickly making the introduction and then quickly getting the schedule nailed down and quickly powering the payments and getting out of the way of the stuff that, that we don't want to be involved in. Love it. Which this also means that somebody who starts a new business, they don't have to go around and knock on door. I mean, they can do that to increase their business, but essentially you're going to be providing leads to them that they can then bid on. Correct. That's right. And that's, wow. that's, that's the main like point of the value proposition on the front end for, for vendors. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to go, pass out door flyers anymore. You don't have to try to hustle up your first 5, 10, 20 customers. You get on GreenPal and there's there's 30, 40 of these lawns for you to bid. And the other thing is you don't have to drive out there and, and give a quote. We provide you with all the information you need to, to quote right through the phone. Mm. You know, aerial imagery, street imagery, square footage, how long has it been since it was last mowed, yeah. things like that to where you can quickly quote it and not have to waste time driving all over town passing out estimates. So we're really in the business of making it easier for small business owners to get started, get up and running and may, and be more profitable with less time. My goodness. I love this model. Wow. I just I mean gets no, me excited. One, yeah. It's one of those things. It's you know, it's it's kind of like this. The idea that was in my head 10 years ago when we started it is no different than what we're doing now. Yeah. And so it was it's remarkable how, you know, we knew the problems we were solving. Now, to get from where we were then to where we are today has really been tough. I mean, sure. just because something sounds like a good idea doesn't mean it's going to be easy to execute. Sure. Uh, and that was a, a lesson I learned the hard way. It's that these things are really a lot harder than, than they seem. And, and, and one thing is like when you hire a landscaping service, there's a million things that can go wrong between hiring them and them actually showing up and doing a great job. Right. And we're in the business of trying to solve those million problems, you know, yeah. oh, it rained that day or the grass was too tall or the fence gates too small, or he let the dog out or his mm-hmm. child was sick mm-hmm. or his lawnmower broke down or you name it. Like we're in the business of trying to solve all those problems. Yeah, with and you just get all those complaints from the customer, don't you? Comes to green. Yeah. 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 And, and so we, we take that feedback, we bake it into what we're working on, what we're building and how we make it quicker, faster, cheaper, more reliable, smoother. Uh, on an ongoing basis. So, so, so homeowners get more value out of it because yeah. when homeowners get more value out of it, contractors make more money. Yes. This is a business in a box. Like literally somebody is just willing to work, hook up with your platform yeah. and uh, show that, up, do that a good really job. Exists. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then we kind of help take care of the rest for the contractor. Yeah. Do you guys have training inside your um, like ongoing training for like, if I look, if I go into your Facebook group, I'm sure there's people I could see that are just killing it with this model. So if I'm a new, new person, I want to be that guy that's now making 10 grand a month instead of, you know, my 500. Um, do you have ongoing training in there for, to help me get up to that level? That's right. Yeah. So, so that's one of the main points of the Facebook group is kind of like a, uh, a mentorship almost yes. for, for your top, you know, five or 10% of contractors that are making, you know, we've got a couple of people making over a million dollars a year on this thing. Wow. And, and like, how do we, you know, how do we let them shepherd, uh, uh, the, the folks that are just getting started. And, and a lot of the questions are, are redundant. And so for a lot of those like really simple questions, like how do I reschedule a yard? We've got, we've got training inside of sure. the app to, to help them, but with like, sure. okay, how do I get more route density in a particular zip code? You know, how do I, how do yeah. I uh, hire my first employee or how do I upsell certain services that have a higher profit margin? Like those mm-hmm. types of like questions. We, that's what the Facebook group is for yes. is to help get these folks like indoctrinated into how, what it really means to running a successful landscaping business. Yeah. Because the thing is like, we're not taught, you know, we're never, nobody's taught how to run a small business ever. Right. Like you're not taught in school. You're not taught in college. You know, you just kind of get out there and try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, that's kind of our job is to be like a business in a box and an ongoing coach for folks that, Love it. Hey, maybe you only want to make a thousand a week, or maybe you want to make 10 a week. Uh, we're, we're there to kind of help get you there. And if you win, we win and we win, you win. And that's how mm. we built the, the platform since day one. Love it. I love it. Um, so in my legends group that I, um, my main uh, membership community, we have, uh, tons of content. There's the community where people can ask questions and then there's coaching, which is like a, a couple of times a month. There's live Q and a calls. Um, let me know if you ever want to talk about what that could look like for your community. You may, may already have this in place, 
but it's super easy to put together almost what looks like a, a course on how to do this. It sounds like you have it in the app, um, but make it more of a formal thing where like you get into this, like there's a, there's a success path. We have a couple of live calls a month where you can ask questions of these experts and it doesn't have to be you on these calls. I mean, it can be once in a while if you want to, but uh, make it like a, you know, look like a formal membership community. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm like happy that. to help you out with that because that's what, that's my whole business model is based around that. And it just gives people a place to go um, to, if I need this question, here's where I get that answer. And it's a, you know, course content, but then the community has questions and then those live calls interact with the leaders. So um, awesome. Yeah. Wow, oh, man, I, I'm excited about this because I just hooked up with a, um, there's a group called uh, Entree Pastors. They're a new membership community and it's entrepreneurial pastors. These two guys who have in their heart to help pastors that want to make extra income because a lot of times you start a church and it's, uh, it's really hard to you know, make full-time income from that. And so yeah. they're doing work like this. And so awesome. I am going to, they have a podcast. They may even be interested in having you on too on their new podcast, but they're starting a brand new membership community. And one of the paths in that for these pastors is a service-based business. And so yeah. this is perfect. I'm going to introduce GreenPal to them, let you talk to them and see if that might be a fit. But um, I guarantee All day long. this seems like a, you know, we can teach people how to do it, go out and knock on doors. And that's one thing, but to be able to plug into the system that you've already built, just shortcuts their success. It's the, it is literally the easiest way to put an extra thousand dollars a week in your pocket. Yeah. We've got all kinds of like firemen, policemen, school teachers, bartenders, you name it, folks that have irregular schedules that are looking yeah. to, to, to fill in a, an extra day or two a week, but don't necessarily want to like go deliver for DoorDash or, right. or drive for Uber. I mean, sadly, those folks on those platforms, after after they pay gas and buy new tires and pay for insurance, they're probably mm -hmm. making 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, on our platform, I mean, folks can come on and literally be in business for themselves rather than just being a gig worker. I, I'm right. not really enamored with the gig economy. I don't, right. I don't think it's a really great thing. Uh -huh. uh, but we're in the business of putting folks in business for themselves yes. to where they can make real material income and be in charge of their life. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I love what, what, what we do and what we're working on. Jeez. What's the average? I know that you got people that are making a million dollars, but what's the, um, when somebody gets on, let's say they just want to work a couple hours a week, any, I'm sure you had stats on like what each yard is approximately worth. Yeah. That, yeah. that person. The average yard is 35, 40 bucks every mowing, awesome. and it takes them about maybe 30 minutes, 20 oh minutes to do. That's now, awesome. now, like, you know, when Facebook first launched, they figured out something that if they could get you uh, 12 friends in like seven days, they knew they had you hooked. And, and we kind of have a, not that Facebook is a company to really model yourself after these days, but, <laughs> right. but we have, we, we have a figure, a similar heuristic where if a new service provider comes on our platform, we have to get them 20 customers in two months. And that's really what we focus on. It's like, we have to get you 20 recurring clients within 60 days or, or else we're not adding any value to your life. And, and yeah. that's, that's kind of a metric that we orient around in terms of, okay, we're getting enough homeowners on the system. We're getting enough suppliers on the system in a given city. And, and that's how we know we're making material improvement and, and their yes. livelihood. Wow. So literally, like you said, it's like the Uber for, um, for lawn mowing. So I can go on there and just bid on any job at any time that I want to, when I have some free time this Saturday, let's go on there. I want to bid on some jobs. Um, or I can just, you know, make this a full-time thing. Right. And they can just work, right. yeah. win in it whenever they want. That's right. We, you, and you bid the price you want to bid is the other thing too, yeah. is you set the price. We don't set the price. We don't tell you what your, your services are worth. You, you, you have to do that. And, and yeah. the thing is, it's like, yeah, you have to be within market, but sure. also we don't make it a race to the bottom. Yes. And, and so you set the, the amount of hours you want to work per week and you take on the new clients that you want. And, and we let you be in control of that. And, yeah. and so while, while it's like sometimes some of these other platforms can be a little draconian and how mm -hmm. they set the pricing and they, they set in the number of hours you have to work and so on. We don't want to be in the business of doing that. Mm. 
doesn't it's Again, not it doesn't sound yeah. like a lot of fun and and, and that's, right. that's, that's you know that's i'm going to keep running this business as long as i'm having fun and i'm having a lot of fun doing it absolutely i guarantee there's people in my audience brian they're going to be like oh my gosh i want to do this um some people just love mowing yards not, not me personally but yeah. some people go out there and they think this is relaxing i can think i can put it on, on a podcast and listen yeah. to something and be making money while i'm also getting exercise or unless they're maybe on a, a riding mower either way but still Dude, you get on there, you pick up 10 or 15 customers a week and you don't, and then you don't have to worry about, about scheduling, about, yeah. about mailing out invoices, about counts receivable, about mm. bookkeeping, about marketing automation, all that's handled for you. Yeah. That's really what we're in the business of doing is helping that guy or gal uh, get up and going and, and, and making money and helping people that want their services. And mm-hmm. the thing is, it's like, if you're a homeowner connecting with that end, like, uh, provider of the service is really the best fit that there is. Yeah. And that's what we're in the business of doing is making those matches. Yeah. Since you've got this um, platform already set up, um, is, have you thought about, I mean, I'm sure you thought about it, but maybe it's probably better to niche down, just do yards. But you know, what if I need a painter? Um, and yeah. I already trust GreenPal. You guys have delivered time and again on my yard. Do you have painters? Um, you know, Or do you have somebody that can come fix my leaky faucet? It's uh, it's tempting, right? You know, yeah. it really is because uh, uh, some of the things do, uh, like the the quoting, the scheduling, the uh-huh. a lot of the things do kind of port over into other services. But once you get in the weeds of these things, and 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 you really see that every one of these verticals has a, a, a million different unique challenges. <laughs> that's true. And you realize, like, if you're trying to be good at all these things, you're gonna be good at none you're good of at them. nothing. Yeah. That's yeah. True. And and the other thing you learn is, is when you're trying to like build something from zero to like one, you have to be the best in the world at that one thing. Right. And and you just have to be the best in your market at yes. at that one thing. We are the easiest, quickest, cheapest way for a homeowner to book a great lawn mowing service. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And if we tried to be like the best way for you to to get a pool cleaner or to get a uh, pressure washing cur- service or a home or a maid, mm-hmm. we would suck at all of that. And so yeah. it's it's uh it for sense. us our strategy is just to go deep, yeah. already do more of what's working well, and make it yeah. quicker faster, cheaper, more seamless. Mm-hmm. And uh, until we reach a point where we have just, uh, we're in the same conversation as like an Uber, an Instacart or DoorDash, yeah. you know, we got a long way to go in this one vertical. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. But let's say that I was a, I was a p- expert pool cleaner and I wanted to do, I mean, I bet you could probably like lease the software to me or something or give me the, I don't know, the whole other, I, that would Maybe. be an opportunity for somebody else to do the pool one and the and you kind of just can make a little bit of money over there because you give them access to your your knowledge and your your software, and they do it, and it's not associated with GreenPal. Possibly, <laughs> I'm just a business. Maybe I'm always taking business ideas, but you never know. <laughs> you're you're brilliant though. That's that's so true. You got to you. It's way better to niche down um, and just focus on one thing. It really is. In my experience, and 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 the thing is, is is when somebody comes to your app, if you're a nobody, in which GreenPal has been a nobody, we're, we're nine years in, GreenPal has been a nobody for probably seven of them. And we're only just now getting to a point where we're breaking out. And oh. when you're a nobody, and someone's your website or app, you have three seconds, maybe less, two seconds to answer three questions. Where am I? What can I do here? And why does it matter? Mm. And, and if you're trying to like be all these different things, you can't answer those questions that fast. And then you might That's say, true. well, you know, I'm looking at so-and-so website, I'm looking at this website and you can do all these different things. Well, well, Airbnb or Expedia or Amazon, you know, they're 20 years old or, or 15 years old and, sure. and, and they've got billions of dollars behind them and they can, they can have more resources to throw at these things. If you're getting started, you really have to wedge into something that, that you're the best in the world at. And hell, even right. Amazon started with just books That's right. for a long time. And so yeah. uh, we can't look at the established players that have you know multi-billion dollar market caps and try to follow that strategy. You really do have to be the best at something and, mm. and to be able to like, to be able to communicate that value proposition to an eight-year-old or, or the Homer Simpson drunk, like you, you really have to be that clear uh, with what you're doing. And that's That's been my experience, you know, 10 years doing this thing. Absolutely. You could do all those other things, but it it probably does not make sense. Um, There's a million other things you could do, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, are you going to be the best in the world at all? You know, you you, you do. And I, when I say best in the world, I mean, best in the market. Like, you know, right. if if you have a coffee shop, you better damn well be the best coffee shop in in, in that zip code, right? Or else it's going to be tough. 
And so that's what my point is like, you really do have to be the best in order to break out and to build a successful business, small, medium, or large. Absolutely. Are there certain zip codes or areas of the country that you really need uh, service providers? For us, uh, we're big, big, big in Texas, and and we're always looking for new service providers all over Texas. Okay. Um, Florida, same thing. We we are nationwide, but but those two stand out as as, as the ones the where you have the where, most need. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and also Southern California. Um, mm. But but uh, every, you know, we started off just in Nashville for wow. like four years. Mm. And just trying to tinker with it, figure out how we can make it work and how and how we can reliably provide the services to homeowners and let and while contractors make a good profit margin. Yeah. It took a long time to figure out the balances of, of the marketplace. And then once we figured it out, that's when we scaled out to other cities. I love it. All right. I, I love I just in I'm in love with this model because it I'm always looking, Brian, for ways for people to make um to get a business started fast. And I always tell folks that selling physical products is one of the easiest places to also start. Like I literally could, if you've never sold products online before, I could have you making money within a day, just find stuff around your house that needs that you're not using, sell it on Facebook marketplace, and you've got cash coming in that you can then reinvest into other products. So an e-commerce business is a great low barrier to entry. This is also a great low barrier to entry for somebody. So um, absolutely. And a couple of things I'll point out is is that it's not you know, if you start a lawn mowing business or e-com commerce, or you sell a dozen things on Facebook Marketplace, it's not what you get; it's what you become. Mm-hmm. You're going to become one step closer to an entrepreneur, one step closer to a business owner, right. and and you've almost look at it like a video game. You know, and just look at like like Mario Super Mario World. You know, don't worry about Bowser; just get through level one, yes. throw up the flag, and and then get go to level two. And level one might be I want to sell. A thousand dollars worth of stuff on on eBay, or level one might be I want ten customers in the lawn mowing business. Just get through level one, then worry about level two. Don't worry about any of this other stuff. Absolutely. All right, I want to transition over to the the business owner side of the thing. So, like, I know it wasn't uh, not obviously not an overnight success. You said it was a you know ten year overnight success. Um, And I understand that terminology too, uh, for sure, because my business has been the same way. How did you grow? Well, I mean, 200,000 active users, like obviously just how you get in the word out about this, obviously doing podcast up podcast interviews is, is a good way. Cause now all my listeners now know about green pal and, um, either want to be service providers or get their lawn mode. Um, but what are some of the key things you think have allowed, that have allowed you to grow? So I don't know, maybe it hasn't been fast to you, but that's a lot of users. Yeah. Um, so a couple things. Once you get through level one, two, or three, and you're trying to figure out, okay, I have a product, I have a service, then you really got to figure out like, what is the growth engine of the business and how am I going to market this thing? And how is almost like the business going to grow itself? Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of uh, new startup founders and new business owners, they spend all the time on, on problems and solutions for the customer and like building the product and no time on distribution. And it almost like, it's almost half as important. Like the, pro- the whole company and idea and product itself is 50%. The other 50% is how you're going to market and distribute it. And you got to figure that out really, really quick. Right. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's more than just like an acronym. It's more than just putting like SEM or SEO or, or mm-hmm. a CRO or PPC. It's more than just doing that. It's yeah. like, how are you really going to compete and really going to uh, distribute this product. And then the other thing I've, I've learned and noticed is like you're going to be good at really one channel. Uh, you know, for mm, many years, you're good. not going to be good at Instagram, Pinterest, uh, Twitter ads, Facebook ads, Google AdWords, organic SEO, print, TV. Yes. You're not going to be good at all these things. And mm. so, and so, as you are trying to figure out how am I going to market this thing, like fire bullets then cannonballs. So really try to experiment for a month or two or three in each of these channels and figure out, can I unlock it? Can I get it to work where I know I put $100 in and I at least get $100 back out? Right. And, and after you start to figure out what's working, then just go all in on that one channel and spend five mm-hmm. years in that channel just being the best at it. And that's how it's unfolded for us. Um, yeah. You know, when we were in metaphorically level one of the video game, we were passing out door hangers ourselves. We yeah. we passed out door hangers all over Nashville, Tennessee. That yeah. was the only like lever we knew to pull to get our first hundred customers, and we passed out like a hundred thousand of these things. But as we started passing them out, 
and we were talking to our early adopting customers, we would ask them, how do you normally find a lawn mowing service? And they would say, well, ask friends and family. And then they would, those guys wouldn't show up. And then I was like, out of sheer desperation, go to Google and search. And we thought, okay, well, we know, we knew we needed to try to compete in Google, but we keep hearing this over and over and over again. And we thought, okay, well, let's just see what's going to take to compete in Google Organic. And we were quickly confronted with, wow, this is really, really hard. Uh, it's hard to like show up for the keywords you want. Sure. But 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 we started like this dialing it in really small, just trying to compete for like lawn mowing services, Nashville, lawn mowing services, uh, Clarksville, which is a town outside of Nashville, uh-huh. and uh, and and see if we could you know get any kind of traction in in those in those types of examples, and yeah. and we did, and and we did, and and it was enough to like validate that okay, this is the channel we're going to go all in on, mm. and we did, and we dedicated an entire member of the team to learn the nuances of, of Google organic search and learn what it takes to, to compete in that game and, and, yes. and, and, and like develop, develop, dedicate the resources to it. Yeah. And so for us, like whatever, like the, the gross, like uh, effort that green pal puts forth half of it, even to this day, is dedicated to Google organic search. Mm. You know, we have 33 people working for the company, you know, mm. nine of them engineers, you know, we have four engineers, all they do, is technical oriented things mm-hmm. to compete in Google organic search. So my point mm-hmm. is, 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 is that it's going to be like a bet to company decision and it's going to be, you know, 20, 30, maybe even 50% of your, of your, of your resources is going to be yeah. going towards growth and distribution. Mm. Man, that was a whole lesson right there. That's a course. You just, well, it's in cannonballs focus on one a, channel. That is so good because as a small business owner, I mean, I don't have any employees like you do. I have a lot of VAs over in the Philippines, but it's so easy to get distracted. Like I got to be on Pinterest. I got to be on Google. I got to be everywhere. And I am, but I'm really more focused. I'm learning what you've learned that I need. I'm focusing on just a couple of different ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. And being the best at that one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe as you scale and you, and you start getting some, some seven figure revenue, you can try to be good at a few different things, but it's been my experience that, that, uh, you, to really kind of dominate, you're going to have to focus everything on one channel because it's competitive and, and you're, you're up against big, big, big players. Uh, whether you think you have competition or not, you're up against competition in the channel and it's just really going to be really, really hard to, to, to compete and win. And, you know, it could be if you have a fashion brand, you know, uh, it's all Instagram where it's all TikTok or, or mm-hmm. if it's a homes, home, home, serve, home uh, product, you know, maybe it's all Pinterest or, or whatever. So it's like really just going all in. That's it's been my experience. Yeah. And, and, and that experience is, and that advice is steeped in a lot of pain yes. <laughs> and a, a lot of scars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, you're the CEO of this thing. So I'm curious. Um, I'm also, I guess the CEO of my organization too. I don't have like as big of an organization as you do, but, um, what do you feel like your, what is your job? Like, um, I want to know, like, I feel like sometimes I get, um, and I'm listening, I know that this is the same for people listening that we try to do too much and, and I'm learning a lot and I've, I've outsourced a ton and I'm really getting dialed in on doing my podcast and then on my emails, doing the things that only I want to do, being in my zone of genius. Um, what do you feel like is the best thing for you to be working on to grow that business? And where, where, where is your focus need to be? Yeah, it certainly evolves. And so like, you know, like going back to the video game metaphor, the level one, you know, there's, there's always going to be three things you're doing. It's, it's in the business and that's, you know, whatever it is day to day serving the customers, making the, making sure the trains run on time. It's on the business. So it's okay. What are the systems and processes that, that I need to be putting in place to make these things run smoother and then mm-hmm. working on yourself. What mm. are the things I have to learn? What are the podcasts I need to be listening to? What are the books I need to be reading? What are the conferences I got to be going to so I can level up? Yes. One of the beautiful things about business is going to cause you to level up. It's going to cause you to learn a lot of things, a lot of new skills, and whether yes. it be leadership management. For me, I had to learn how to build software. Uh, like all of these th- like skills that you're going to require that the business is going to make you learn. And so in the business, on the business, and on yourself. And and mm. and as time goes on, like maybe like it's 90% in the business, yep. 5% on the business, 5% on yourself. And then right. as, as you get through the levels, maybe you're trying to take time away from in and, and make it more on. Mm. And and that's kind of the goal is that maybe like as you as you progress, 
you, you're you're buying time almost through delegation, and you're able to get yeah. less and less out of the trenches, and and more and more on the processes and the systems and on yourself. Yeah. And so for me in the early days, you know, I was I was my two co-founders and I, I was writing code. I was designing software, doing customer yeah. support, writing blog posts, doing outreach to journalists, doing outreach to bloggers, all of those things myself. And as time went on, we got a little bit of revenue. We could kind of delegate some of these things. Fast forward where we are now, and then maybe metaphorically, I'm on level six. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest things as the CEO, the founder, is, is the role of what I would call a capital allocator, which means money comes in, and I'm putting money back out to work. I'm allocating capital. So all the money that comes in is capital, and I'm putting that capital to work to grow the business. So that, that is, a, is a very simple uh, uh, visualization of, yeah. okay, where do I make bets? You know, where yeah. is, 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 the bet, is the bet bringing on a, a better SEO uh, uh, team lead? Is the bet bringing on this new Rockstar CTO? Is the bet, is the bet trying to experiment now in a new channel, trying to unlock mm. uh, a paid channel? Is the bet um, bringing on a, a COO to help me with, with some of the management stuff? So you're, you're, you're allocating capital and you're making bets. And that's really, you know, it's, it's high leverage stuff. It's, it's, yeah. it's where you kind of want to be, but uh, the stakes are higher because if you screw that's up, right. you, you know, you, you could cost yourself a year or maybe even cost the company. And so that's right. how I would characterize my job today is, yeah. is that of a capital allocator. Whereas uh, eight years ago, it was, I need to knock out two blog posts this week. I need to reach right. out to 50 journalists a day. I need to do these customer support tickets. I need, you know, it was very right. much me and my co right. doing the work. Wow. Do you have a CEO right now? I do not. So uh, my job at, at a tactical level is CEO, COO, and then also like the chief product guy. Yeah. Um, it's my job to make sure that the product is working smooth, that, that, that people that are using it are uh, what they're saying and, and baking mm-hmm. that into what we're working on. Uh, so I kind of wear those three hats and ideally yeah. I would have a, a person, we're only like 30 something people. And ideally I would have a person that's in charge of those things. But yeah. one of my favorite books, uh, is, uh, is the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Yep. And in that book, he talks about, um, day one in your business, laying out an org chart. And, and so it doesn't matter what you do. And let's say you have a hot dog stand. And so the org chart would be like chief hot dog store, stand operator, uh, the person that cleans the hot dog stand, the person that's doing the marketing for it, the person that orders the hot dogs, the person that greases the axle, uh, the person that makes sure that the umbrella is working right, the person that is, makes sure that customers, what they're saying online, they're not trashing us. Like there's probably like 30 names on that org chart. Right. And it's your name on every one of them. Right. And, and that's okay. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. It's literally your name on every one of them. And, right. and every one of these roles has goals associated and it's your yeah. name on every one of them. As time goes on, you peel your name off mm. and assign it to an employee or a contractor or a freelancer. Yes. And then you, and then you move on. So you just go through that rinse and repeat. And so in, in our, in our org chart, my name is still on about seven different roles. Yeah. Uh, and then as we grow, I, you know, I know, I know, okay, this is where, our bottleneck is I need to hire somebody for that. Peel my name mm-hmm. off. From. Yeah. I'm kind of going through that right now, Brian. I feel like uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of projects going on in my business um, and all the different things I'm doing. And it, I feel like I am the bottleneck because I'm having to make these decisions and uh, some things don't get moved along fast enough because I'm working on another area. So that's where I'm wondering, man, do I need a, an executive assistant or is that more of like a COO type of role or a project manager type of role to make sure these projects stay on track? Because it feels like yeah. I wake up every day and I push this one. If it's almost like a, you know, a little Hot Wheels cars, I'm pushing this along next day. And then over here, I push this one and just inches. If somebody else could like be pushing them along with me and I help make the decisions and that person's job is to push them along, that I would go fat better, farther, faster. I um, think it's okay for to feel like you're, you're, you have a bunch of plates spinning because I mean, that's the reality. You're, yeah. you're, you're just putting out fires every day. And mm-hmm. a lot of the early days of, of entrepreneurship and business ownership is just triage. It's just, yeah. it's just really, <laughs> really triaging around what is the biggest bottleneck log jam we have yeah. and, and pouring all of your firepower into that. 
mm-hmm. while you keep everything else afloat. And, yeah. and, and you'll, you'll spend years uh, doing that. But mm-hmm. as time goes on and you, you triage to the, to the one or two or three things that, that you need to focus on, and it could be, mm-hmm. you know, like w- one of the best places to focus is on retention is why is our customers not, why are they not coming back? Yeah. Let's solve that problem. And then we can build up from there because if you don't, it's like pouring gas on wet leaves. Everything you do beyond that is just, it's just like a leaky bucket. And and so that's usually the place you can focus is why are people not coming back? Mm -hmm. And then what are the things I need to do to solve that problem while you keep all the other plates spinning? That's Mm -hmm. usually the best place to focus on. Where do I, where do I put firepower on in terms of, of trying to delegate somebody better than me? And then the other thing is, is, is really being really clear about what that, what that delegation looks like, um, like spending nine hours on the, on the role and the goals and one hour on the recruitment, uh, is, 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 you know, really kind of been my experience is like, we just rush out to try to put somebody in the slot when we really haven't figured out what the processes and the routines mm-hmm. and the expectations and all those things are. Um, a good book is the four hour work week. Yes. And, and you, know, uh-huh. you know, that book's not really about working four hours a week. That book right. is about systems, processes, and delegation yes. and, it can kind of, it was eye opening to me, like, wow, yeah. um, I need to invert, like, don't spend 10 hours looking for somebody, spend nine hours defining every little detail about what that is, and then spend mm-hmm. an hour looking for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's was what good. that book, what that book taught me. And so that, that's how I would look at that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then one reason I love doing these interviews is because I learn a ton. <laughs> so, well, like, even well, if nobody else is listening, I mean, I have a decent sized audience. I've been doing this almost two years now. So, it's, yeah, nice. so over two years. Um, but still, even if nobody else cares, I care. This is valuable stuff for me personally. So, thank you. Um, oh, my, all right. My I want to be conscious of your time and let you go here. But I want to ask you um, just some of the the lessons that you would give to, I mean, you've given me a ton of lessons. So, talk to the, the person who's, um, you know, not at the level you're at, maybe you 15 or 20 years ago, what are some of the things that you would tell that person um, just to advice, encouragement, um, to keep going, that type of, and just anything that comes to your mind that you feel like you, you know, if you were in a room full of small business owners, just getting started in their lawn business or getting started in their Amazon business, what would, what would you say? Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, where do I even start? Um, the first thing is like really, Really try to understand the nuances of compound interest and and what that means. Like the, read the book, uh, the Snowball, uh, which is the uh, which is the uh, autobiography of Warren Buffett, yeah. and that book is really just about compounding, and and what really compounding looks like. And so it's 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 if you if you got a hundred thousand a year in sales and you're growing twenty percent a year, you know that compounding really starts to take effect on years five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And it really gets to be big. So. The point is stick out the first three, four, five years. Mm. That's the hardest. And the, and laws of compounding have, begin to take hold. Like, you know, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world now. Well, just wait till that number starts compounding. I mean, dude, this dude is going to be like Scrooge McDuck, right. like times 10. Right. Like, like the, those last couple top offs are where the real big, like, like, wow, stuff happens. Yeah. So, so like really try to wrap your head around what compound interest is and, mm-hmm. and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I still don't completely understand it, but, but man, it's, it's like the ninth wonder of the, of the world or yes. like somebody once said, the right. other thing is, is, um, uh, I, I, I listened to a podcast, uh, where they're interviewing a, this dude named Mark Andreessen, who's a famous venture capitalist now, but he was the dude who invented the modern web browser. And back in 1993, he invented mm-hmm. well, what we just now know as the web browser and wrote yeah. the first web browser before the web existed. And he talks about moving to Silicon Valley in 1992. Mm-hmm. And the feeling that he had when he got out there was, we missed it. We're too late. It's over. All of the good computing companies have been built. You know, IBM, Apple, Microsoft uh, now own everything. And we're locked out. It's too late. We missed it. And like, how hilarious is that? It was the dawn of the modern like internet. Like it was the, right. the web, web hadn't even come out yet. The internet yeah. wasn't even a thing yet. And like, he was yeah. literally at like minute one, second one of minute one of day one. Mm-hmm. And he felt like he missed it. And, but he still went to work on building the, the web browser. So what I take from that and what everybody should take from that is, is that no, it always gets bigger. It mm-hmm. always gets bigger. You didn't miss it. The opportunities 
always magnify. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether like in today's world, it's, it's crypto or the gig economy or cloud or right. e-commerce, whatever they get. No, the thing always gets bigger. Mm-hmm. You didn't miss it. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to get in the game and start working on those four or five years that, because those are the hardest. Get in the game. Yeah. People say that, uh, the, you know, I think I've heard somebody like Grant Cardone say that that first million is the hardest after that, it gets easier. Have you found that to be the case once you got over a certain hump in your company, then it's way easier than those first few years? Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, whatever you think of Grant Cardone, he does put out a lot of, a lot of, a lot of motivating stuff. And he actually didn't come up with that. Um, it, mm. it's, it's a guy by the name of Charlie Munger, who is uh-huh. who, mm. do whatever you have to do to get the first hundred thousand. Yeah. And that may mean living on $5 a day on food. It may mean, it may mean working a hundred hours a week for three years, get the first hundred thousand yeah. done in the bank, put up. Yeah. And cause that's the hardest. And, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, the first million is hard too. Uh, and, and, and in many ways, like, it's just like the levels of the game is different. It's, it's a different final boss at the end of the game. It never gets easy. Yeah. But definitely the first hundred thousand is the hardest, yeah. and and the first million is the hardest, and then it does yeah. get more fun as time goes on. Yes. Like I'm having a lot of fun now running this business. I'll yeah. tell you, the first five years were not fun at that's all. Be, you think that's also because you are doing things that you're now doing more fun things that are more in your wheelhouse, things that you're wired to do. Is that yes. is that part of it? Yeah. Yes, it's less of a slog, less of a grind, yeah. um, and you and and delegation. Uh, and seeing the pro- uh, the 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 progress is fun. Yes. Whereas a lot the first two or three years, it very much feels like you're pushing on a string, right? And you don't have that feedback loop, mm. and and so uh, that's why it's important. Like in the early days, to celebrate the small wins. Yes. And you know, for us, yeah. we spent uh, our, the the our, the goal for us at the end of our first year was to get a hundred transactions a week. We just wanted to get a hundred people to use the thing in a week. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the first year, we had like 57 yeah. and four, like 20 of them were my friends and family. Yeah. And so, and so it was like, it was heartbreaking, uh, but, yeah. but we're like, okay, we're going to get it next year. And the next year we had like 300. Uh, and then the year after that, we had like 1500. The year after that, we had 5,000. The year after that, we had 10,000. year after that, we had 20,000. So as time went on, like I knew that if we could double or triple that number, that the numbers would eventually matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we celebrated when we got the first hundred. Right. So celebrating those little victories and knowing that they will lead to material ones mm-hmm. is kind of how you can get through that first like metaphoric, you know, hundred thousand. Cause that that's, Love that's it. the hardest. Yes. Brian, thank you so much. Thanks for reaching out to me. This has uh, been fun chatting with you, learning about your business, how you've grown it. Um, I've got a ton of notes here for me personally. I don't know if anybody else has, but me, I do. So it's been valuable to me. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. I had fun. Absolutely. Well, God bless you and uh, have a great day. You too, buddy. Bye-bye, everyone. See you next week.